cold, my lady. Never. The Lord's fire lives within me, John Snow. Hi, everyone. How are you? Good. I just say ooh as like a replacement for hello. I didn't know that ooh is a <laughs> ooh. answer to how are you doing. Eric is ready. It's back to ooh. the wall this week. We never really left, did we? Did we? I know that bit. Arya's chapter, uh, we talked about it at length last week. You were with us if you listened to our podcast, Game of Bones, before. If this is your first time, we are, I don't even know how you get, how do we say it, guys? Over 300 episodes into this travel through this world of ice and fire, and we're only a few episodes and a small, like a tiny baby, wildling baby, handful-sized amount of chapters away from the end of A Storm of Swords, and emotions are running high. Just think back to everything that's happened since uh, we wrapped up Season 5 in storm of swords it's the the list is extremely lengthy in terms of major events that have occurred throughout the course of this book and this is a book that we've been reading for quite some time so to think that we are just three episodes away from putting a nice little bow around this and heading off into a feast for crows and beyond is pretty exciting there's there's a lot that's still yet to happen and uh, i'm just excited to see how all of you react to it yeah. Joseph Wayne, a listener on Twitter, wrote in and said, regarding wrapping up, I always, and I'm assuming he's speaking about uh, the end of A Storm of Swords, I always picture the end of Storm as the end of part one of A Song of Ice and Fire. Feast and Dance and Winds are part two, and Dream is three. So I guess we're now 300 episodes in, reaching the end of part one of A Song of Ice and Fire. Of three. Uh, I like that. In, in a way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to how you guys see it, how listeners at home see it. I know that the show is obviously in a different place than where we are, but it's interesting how the momentum kind of shifts around when we've been head buried into the book for the past handful of weeks and how different it all makes you feel. I know that the chapters today we spoke about when we were speaking to each other before the show started we were talking about how these chapters, especially compared to the ones that we've been just been going through, were, were I guess you could say, less eventful, but uh, the feelings were unreasonably high. The amount of stuff here, like the notes that I took on sentences that were devoid of action, when in the last chapters we had a burning eagle falling <laughs> from the sky, we right. had the hound taking part of someone's face with his sword after blood spattering against the walls, and the, but in this one it's just simple sentences and references to people that have been dead for a long time, just light up. <laughs> I don't know. It's cool. Hi, guys. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hey, Sam. Hi, Eric. What uh, what, what brings you uh, here to this uh, this hall? Well, I'm back. Yeah. You're back? It's my chapter. Oh, it is, isn't it? It's that time of year. Feels like Christmas, Sam. Almost. It does. I've been a little under the weather. I've been taking coldies for all my cold deeds. So that's why I haven't been around. But I'm feeling a lot better. Coldies? Those those uh, zinc tablets you take to uh, reduce the duration of the common cold? I heard they're loaded with zinc and other sorts of minerals. I think you'd know better than anyone else, Eric. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> of course, the, the joke here for listeners at home is uh, if you've listened to or if you've witnessed experienced really is the word for it 
our latest chapter over on the Goo Patreon, I become uh, an, a traveling ad man for a pharmaceutical that I believe in. Yes, it wasn't all just coldies, though. There <laughs> is a lot of other uh, fun video content that is available. I do remember one night, uh, I believe it was uh, a Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken, when we were all in uh, the city. Zach and I headed on over uh, to a bar, and uh, he was tasked with uh, pinning the dagger on Jon Snow. Oh. The way you tell the story, Mike, it sounds like it was just a random bar that (laughs) had to pin the dagger on Jon Snow game. (laughs) The Ladies of Fire and Lunch. It was New York Comic Con, though, so it would only be expected that any bar uh, throughout New York City would provide that sort of entertainment. No, That's true. But uh, Zach had to do this blindfolded. This was not uh, something that uh, was, was easily... Uh, easily done, and he was turned around a bunch of times. So not only is yeah, he blindfolded, he was completely dizzy. He may have may not have had a drink or two beforehand either. You know, <laughs> so it, it was it was quite the experience. It's all on video. Uh, you can check it out as well as uh, all of our other random activities uh, on Patreon. Chapter ten uh, will be something I think all of you will enjoy. Yeah, if you're not supporting the show yet. It's a good time to start because that's fun to watch. But also the Snapchat tier is fun. What else do we have, guys? Those extra conversations. And chapter readings, which I hear that a certain Hannah is going to be uh, dunking her foot in the water yeah. uh, for these chapters. So Making my debut. <laughs> Zach, I really liked what you said about the way that the uh, the series is sort of split into these parts. And, and the reason why I think this was brought up by that listener is because Really, as you head into a feast for crows, the world is expanding, right? You're, you have Dorne, you have Bravos, uh, you have, uh, you know, more of Young Kai. Well, not really. That comes in uh, a dance with dragons, but you know, th- this you're going to places that you have never been before. We've spent so much time uh, in these first three books in places like Winterfell, at the Wall, in King's Landing, places we've become extremely, extremely familiar with. And the fact that you know the the one place that most people always seem to want to go to is Dorne, and we're going to get that exposure. We're going to get to go out east and see more uh, of a city that we've heard so much about. Uh, I think is exciting, and I think that you know that's it, it, things really start to change now. It's not the same story that we've come to know. So many characters, pivotal characters, have died and will die uh, in these next couple of chapters. So. Uh, what we've known is is really no more. Something that I noticed getting into uh, the chapters that we have for today, which are, of course, Samuel and John, um, that the same amount of time seems to have passed as did in the Arya chapter, uh, because we learn in Samuel that they're beginning to vote on who the new Lord Commander will be, and they've there have been something like six or seven nights of votes so far that have gone... Uh, unfulfilled, or they still don't have a new Lord Commander. But that's how many nights it took Arya to ride from where she left the Hound to finding the boat to Bravos. So I thought it was really cool that sort of time has been allowed to pass sort of between the John chapters or between the North of the Wall chapters in almost the same amount that we've been reading as readers. And these two chapters really are one chapter to me. As, as I was reading through, that's something that just... 
uh, I thought about because you don't leave the wall, right? You're in the same place for right. these consecutive chapters, which quite honestly, I can't remember the last time that that happened where you had two point of view characters uh, in the same location. It may be King's Landing. Interacting with each yeah, other. Yeah, the same inter- conversation. Yeah, literally. I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was a, a different take. Uh, normally, we uh, have to look for ways to really connect the two chapters that we read together. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it's not very difficult. They now. find yeah, us there. If we can't connect these two chapters, then we're all fired. This is why it's so cool to be north of the wall right now. There's so much going on, not only with the appointment of the new Lord Commander, but like north of the wall with Stannis there, with Melisandre. So like these two chapters managed to like split sort of the two different groups that are happening and kind of tracking each of their movements. And Sam is back. I mean, he's made it back safely to the wall after his encounter uh, with (laughs) with cold hands and Bran and Hodor. So cool. Quite cool. So cool. Quite cool. The last time we left Sam, everyone, it was, uh, which is great. I just, okay, I organize my thoughts. Mm -hmm. I haven't been able to talk to you guys about this yet. The last time we were with Sam... He was giving directions uh, to at the night fort to Bran and company to travel through the wall through a magical thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. too honestly, way too cool. And again, we you know he's he's back at the wall after a long journey. He treks from the night fort back to here, never losing sight of the wall. He is left to see all that has happened since he has been gone, and he's getting hugged. It's it's a joyous reunion in a lot of ways. We get kind of a half smile grimace from John, which I guess you expected, and maybe Sam expected a little more than that. But it really sets the tone as we creep into the chapter, just how much John is dealing with, and how much really the Wall is uh, in the night. In the Night's Watch is dealing with a lot of the the, the drama post this huge massive threat. Like you know, things were, things have been so different because for so long in the story we've been. We, we've known about this threat of either White Walkers in the north from the prologue on, but then when we learned of the wildlings moving against the wall, that's always been in the back of our minds. But now King Stannis has arrived, and things are vastly different at the wall. And the relationships between the people that we like and really who's left, all of it's vastly different. But what it ties so well with the Sam chapter that we last left with and really the, the last good handful of Sam chapters, like the way that George has delivered the story through his point of view is this mysterious magic. You know, we get references to the magic horn. Mm. And later on in John's chapter, we feel the presence of Melisandre and all that that it brings with it. This presence of magic that we spoke so much about last week is still so strong and it's becoming even more real. Yeah, it's... uh. It- it's an, just an ongoing question in this series as to how influential that magic is going to be. Uh, and even when they're atop the wall looking out and Melisandre references uh, the other or, or you know this, this sort of all-powerful being that all the, the others get named. are following. You know, they're mm-hmm. basically his minions. So... Uh, I, this is a this is a point in the series too where you you really start to realize that despite all the other battles and wars that are going on throughout the seven kingdoms that nothing compares it it's that it's that feeling we all had after um 
watching Hardhome uh, this right. past season, you say to yourself, you know, fuck the War of the Five Kings. <laughs> what's really important is is what's coming from beyond the wall. And uh, as each chapter passes that you spend either at or beyond the wall, you start to realize it more and more. But it's like you said, Eric, These this pair of chapters is, is interesting because we do get both sort of sides here. It's the same thing that's happening, and, and Sam is as interconnected as anyone would be inside of John's inner circle. He, do, he isn't privy to the conversation that, that Stannis is having with John and Melisandre right. at the top of the wall, but he is he's the one that is spearheading this very sort of grassroots effort inside of the politics of the men of the Night's Watch, and we don't know quite that it's happening yet, but we can feel the stirrings of it, and we can sort of gather that this is what he's heading toward. But But even with that fact aside... It's it's like you said, it's that part, it's that perspective of what's going on, and it's so interesting to get that through his perspective, because he hasn't even been there. The last time we were with him, like he was talking to Cold Hands, for Christ's yeah, sake. Well, yeah. that was a, a nice reminder, too, he, when Cold Hands oh, gets the mention. Much. It's like, oh my gosh, they were yeah. talking with Cold Hands. <laughs> That's the last company Sam kept. But they're, no, they're here, and like, they're both immediately put to work, right? Sam has the job of counting the chips, and Gilly is now raising Mance's, like, this prince of the wall, prince north of the wall, um, you know, weaning this new child that whose mother died in battle. And it's like my expectation in going into this and these chapter was, was that they would pick up right away, um, that Sam would, would be at the wall sort of right as Stannis' army is coming just to see what it looks like, just to, so we could get that so we could be treated to that visual of mm. like the army, but from like viewed from the North of the wall. And I was expecting to see as well, like the first conversation that John had with Stannis and that kind of thing. But by, by basically picking up a week later, certain things are just drastically and radically different. So you have a lot more men being fed They're They're, they're, they're eating and cooking some of the animals they've killed uh, on the way or in, in the battle and they're surviving, but there's just a lot more people at the wall, and that's cool. But then at the same time, you're still dealing with the fact that John, even though he now is is still alive, is still not quite redeemed. Um, and even though apparently he succeeded in delivering the Horn of Winter, which we talked about last week, and people believe that it's the real Horn of Winter, but yeah. somehow the political machinations still mean that it's that John is still somehow an outcast um, among among these men, and and you get to see that through through Sam's own eyes, and and the fact that this chapter opens, you have complete resolution to everything that just happened beyond the wall. Yeah, you're not going to a John point of view character or point of view chapter, excuse me, where you get to see everything that happens after Stannis successfully defeats the wildlings. You are immediately thrust into a Sam chapter where it opens Gilly is breastfeeding. Uh Sam is looking over and, and having a conversation with John, who is safe. Uh nothing bad has happened to him. We we learn that, you know, Stannis has uh, achieve the goal that he set out to do and and that's that's huge you know to to cut really all of that out and you're you're hearing yeah. it kind of all second hand you would think from having watched the show that there would be a little bit more to it but uh there really isn't you you immediately get to experience the everything after the fact so 
uh, and and really how Sam was able to make it um, from the night fort back to Castle Black. You know, I, I think the fact that he is safe is is lost in in a lot of this. Mm. And, and there's a great mm-hmm. paragraph about all his travels getting back to uh, uh, Castle Black, and and the fact that you. Know, he wasn't sure when there were these people coming down the road, if in fact they were going to be friend or foe and how he broke down like the little baby. We all know he is uh, and, and basically wept at the <laughs> sight of his brothers who he had not seen in, in who knows how long. Right. And dollars Edward was among them. So who wouldn't <laughs> break down and weep knowing that man was still alive to the world. I would weep. You know, I'm voting for him by the way, for Lord commander. <laughs> I, I am as well. I'm going to cast. That's, that's know. the two. We're the two. <laughs> Thank you, George R. R. Martin, for those just bits of humor amidst all of this. <laughs> no, but yeah, and like, like Michael, like you're saying, like there's actually more knowledge or more information because of the passage of time. Like we now know, or men at the watch now know, Sam now knows exactly where sort of what Stannis's whole plot was. It says uh, Stannis landed his knights at East Watch, and Cotter Pike led them along the Rangers' roads to take the Wildlings unawares. He smashed them, which is like the best sentence that sums it all up, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, he smashed them. Uh, also, Mance Raiders, apparently still alive, was taken captive. Uh, a thousand of his best slain, including Harmadog's head. The rest scattered like leaves before a storm we heard. This is reiterated by Stannis, too. He says that he killed a thousand men and imprisoned a thousand more. Um, that's a huge victory that we're just kind of as readers happy to see happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, there's that's sort of the natural, like, Holy crap, you know, yeah. but that's, that's again, we were talking about this last week, the crucial, um, how crucial it was that it be a surprise attack. I mean, you're just not expecting a King to show up, but again, they're, they're inhabiting these new areas. Sorry, these old areas of the wall that usually don't have people in them. What does it say? There's a king in the king's tower for the first time in living memory. Living memory. Yeah. These are drastically different. I mean, that's really special. I felt a true shift in, I guess, the perspective of the whole story after I finished these two chapters. And I think that this is where it's got to be so much of the devotion to Stannis we find in the community was born or at least heavily fortified. Yeah. When we have this conversation with John and Stannis, and obviously that's in John's chapter, but these two blend together so well it's kinda hard not to reference it once we're once we're once we're talking out loud. It's that's just true it, enough. The yeah. feels, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> out, outrageous how how different everything got. There was this beautiful paragraph that you guys just uh referenced pieces out of that I wanted to read. Uh, Sam as he approached Castle Black, and actually as he was at Castle Black, um, I feel like this was sort of the beginning of the change in the way we look at things through his point of view, and then later on it just happens throughout the conversations with John. I feel like this is a, a script of some kind of historical account, but it's not. It's a story written by George R. R. Martin, and it's describing how Sam Tarley felt when he came back home. It says... Nothing that his brothers told him prepared him for what he found at Castle Black. Mm -hmm. However, the common hall had burned to the ground, and the great wooden stair was a mound of broken ice and scorched timbers. Donalnoy was dead, along with Rast, Deaf Dick, Red Allen, and so many more. Yet the castle was more crowded than Sam had ever seen. 
not with black brothers, but with the king's soldiers, more than a thousand of them. There was a king in the king's tower for the first time in living memory, and banners flew from the lance, Hardin's Tower, the Grey Keep, the Shield Hall, and other buildings that had stood empty and abandoned for long years. But even even though everything's so different situationally, I guess, things are still so the same for John. Like Eric was saying earlier, people still see him as a turncloak, and he's still kind yeah. of in this tough situation. And so things are different, and things kind of end on a different note for him, but he's still in not a great place. And I think that that has to feed what surprise comes from what happens later with Jon Snow. I'm not sure when it happens chronologically or, or even uh, if it's in the fourth or fifth book. Like, I just, um, I don't know where it where it is placed, but I can understand that while Jon's situation with Thorne or with Slint uh, is still serious to him and is still happening to us reading, can we not help but to feel just incredibly hopeful that Stannis is just going to fix everything now that he's here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It I just mean, doesn't f- hurt anymore, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, John apparently or is seen to have a little bit more freedom. I mean, he's not confined to his cell away from view. He's right. he's actually taking it upon himself to be the new, essentially like master at arms while so much else is happening. He's He's John is beating himself up in the training yard every, like, nightly, like, on a regular basis, and it's doing some good, and it's also probably a form of self-harm or dealing with his own demons that he's got. And Sam chronicles the voting process. Right. And through that, we sort of learn that Slint, Thorn, that whole situation is kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, John does say that, it's happening right now. There was an excellent exchange between them. He says, mm-hmm. no matter how wrong it seems and how wrong we know it is, mm-hmm. it's happening. But again, Stannis' presence just is kind of the wild card in the situation. It really shakes it up. I, I think you're meant to feel a level of protection for John, and I don't know if that's lulling you into, and when I say you, I mean it, generally speaking, as a reader, a false sense of security. Uh, Sam has returned to the wall John's closest ally by far and now we've had the arrival of of Stannis and and we see John really struggle with a a major decision at the end of the next chapter Uh, but I I think that when you hear that Stannis is willing to offer him Winterfell and and the North uh, you couldn't ask for a better set of circumstances given everything that he's gone through uh, yet he still seems to be honorable to a fault, much like Ned was. And you're left wondering, what is he going to decide? It's it's the same uh, situation that we saw play out uh, in the show, Zach. I, I remember uh, you, uh, yeah. how excited you got at the prospect <laughs> of John Stark of Winterfell. <laughs> I, I felt it again today, damn it. It's pretty, it's pretty special. Yeah. I mean, what oh, more could you want? It was so much better to feel it through the book's pages, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's just they're talking about Rob a lot, like Stannis yeah. and John are having a conversation no. about Rob. <laughs> all of it, all of it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I love, damn it, I love books so but, but damn like, much. <laughs> but, like, Sam's goal at the end, at, and talking about the appointment of the new Lord Commander, right? Like, Sam is trying, I guess, to expedite the process because it can take up to two two years, I think. Right? Historically, he's trying to expedite it, but he doesn't yet, he's not yet doing it for John. It's interesting that this be one of the main concerns, 
But then again, you also have just like the wildling army is no longer a threat at all, which is, can you imagine just like thinking about that? The wildling army is no longer a threat. What do we do now? Stannis, yeah, Stannis wiped him out. So now we just have like a political struggle, I guess, or like a political, I don't know, we eat uh, mammoth meat. And it's not very good. Grizzly. Ugh, old man. It's definitely more of a slow burn uh, in, in the books as to who is going to be elected Lord Commander. Hmm of the Night's Watch, and, and we get a feel for the process, which I think is right, which is what you want uh, in the books. We have stories told of, of old elections, and uh, now we're getting to experience one for ourselves and the internal political struggles that go on at the wall. You know, you Slint really uh, trying to probably weasel his way uh, into this position, but yet you also have these two... Uh, uh, really well-known individuals uh, that have served um, the Night's Watch for quite some time uh, that seem determined to stick it through to the bitter end unless some convincing can can sway their uh, decision uh, one way or the other. And, and the hope is that Sam is going to come up with a plan to be able to uh, unite those two fronts uh, in favor of John. Yeah, not one or the other. Which is like what you think when you're leaving this chapter, but like he might get them to both back John. Well, imagine being in the situation where all that is happening is happening in Westeros, not only concentrated in the north, but it's such a trying time for the entire realm, not to mention White Walkers exist, not to mention there's a woman that clearly is magical that's yeah. just hanging out with the king. I mean, this is some this is some really really cool stuff that's going on, and the front runners don't even care. Dennis Malister, Cotter Pike. It's like, do they really 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 care to lead this ancient order of men that now, for the first time in living memory, have banners flying after this massive war against a concentrated effort of wildlings, as the magical horn of winter itself is nearby. <laughs> yeah, that all was... of this this legend is happening right now. And I think Sam is just pushing for the right kind of leadership, this sort of epic substance that deserves to be entrenched in what they're doing. Like, it's all happening. Why not let it happen? Why does it have to be this way? And and, and look, Jana Slint, he cares. You know what I mean? Like, as terrible and shitty of a, as a person this character is, like, he cares enough to get elected. It may not be for the right reasons, but he's trying, and that's something to be said. We have... Dollarous Ed on the vote, and that's funny, and we laugh about that. But again, all of those stakes are so high, and Sam wants to see a real person put in this position. But John is not bringing himself forward for the vote at all, and that's you know we we look at it and we're like, oh, he's humble. That's, that's such a great character thing for him. But he's like he's actually keeping not, like well enough away. Like Dollar Ed's not even trying, and he's getting votes, but like nobody's voting for Jon Snow. Like it's it just must be a sign of how he's been painted now. It's like he's not Thorny. even thinking about it. He's not. Yeah, he he's he's not even really seen to be thinking about it. Well, of course he's not thinking about it. The kind of person that he is, and we learn through his perspective, and through the way that Sam sees him, is just he's he he takes this vow stuff seriously, mm. you know, and he mm -hmm. takes his laying with the grit very seriously. He takes the things that he's done wrong. Mm -hmm to heart and he takes the the thought of him having done other things wrong that he actually didn't do i guess you could say arguably even harder so i don't think he wants to show his face it's just yeah it's great how this all turned out but we learned in the the next chapter that 
it sucks how John was able to come out alive out of what happened when Stannis invaded. Like it would have been better if he would have fought and killed wildlings, but instead he was just a good person and he's getting thought poorly of because of it by the likes of Thorn and Slint. It's just I don't know. It's it's a there's a bad taste in my mouth for what's happening with John, but the same can't be said for Sam. Sam's heading to the rookery, you know, he's getting back to work. He's noting the <laughs> birds and he has that wonderful moment where he's thinking Maybe none of this is useful. I know some of them haven't come back, but damn it, one of them reached Stannis Baratheon. Yes. And that bastard sailed north, and now he's here. Yes. So damn it, I'm working. It just feels different at the wall. Like we've been, like I said earlier, we've been we've been feeling a certain way because of this oncoming threat, and now that it's gone and we have this sense of security with Stannis, it just it's like hopeful, but at the same time not hopeful. This presence of magic and and the closeness to what we know can only be an even bigger threat eventually coming. It's just calm before right. the storm, and we're not really sure where anything lies. If this vote wasn't happening or if these these guys weren't being terrible to John, it would feel a lot different. I mean, you, you can allow yourself to feel a little bit of a sense of accomplishment for what they've done, um, but there's still the future to look to, right? I mean, there's still a Lord Commander to be elected. There's still Stannis' own interests um as we find out in the john chapter but then there's also you know one of the one of the things i really did like in this chapter you expect this from a sam chapter that he'd be able to interact with john in some meaningful way and even though john is withdrawn for most of the chapter and going off and sam doesn't speak with him too much sam has a really interesting moment uh early on in the chapter where he asks john about lying and essentially Sam is trying to, as always, plan a future for Gilly and her son. And he has this thought of sending them off to be with his father, Randall Tarley. And John weighs in. And I think that it's a really sweet, tender moment for these characters who are, you know, best friends, um, but have not seen each other for a while. And John, who is like the perfect... um, person to ask about what was it like growing up as a bastard is able to sort of indicate that it could be an all right thing or not for this child to live with that over his head he's able to give him a real answer yeah about what is likely to happen to a a bastard a sort of a noble bastard Mm. yeah which was which was cool Mm kind of kind of leads into the john chapter two about you know what potential bastards can have yeah yet in the midst of all of this, you have Sam keeping a huge yeah. secret from John, which is the fact that his brother is alive. Yeah. Can you just read that quote, Micah? The <laughs> listeners need it. They deserve it, Micah. <laughs> they really do. Okay. The living have no place at the feast of the dead. It tore the heart from Sam to hold his silence then. Bran's not dead, John, he wanted to say. He's with friends, and they're going north on a giant elk to find a three-eyed crow in the depths of the haunted forest. It sounded so mad that there were times Sam Tarly (laughs) thought he must have dreamt it all, conjured it whole from fever and fear and hunger, but he would have blurted it out anyway if he had not given his word. Three times he had sworn to keep the secret, once to Bran himself, once to that strange boy, Jojen Reed, <laughs> and last of all, to Cold Hands. Yeah, that strange boy. I feel it in my fingers. The I world believes the boy is dead, his rescuer had said as they parted. Let his bones lie undisturbed. We want no seekers coming after us. 
Swear it, Samwell of the Night's Watch. Swear it for the life you owe me. The life you owe me. Well, way to lie late on thick there, cold hands. Like Maybe Sam isn't such a bad liar after all. Could you lie to cold hands, Hannah? Could you? No, no I could, could not. Could you lie to the elk? <laughs> I you could lie to, lie to the elk. I, I could not lie to that elk. It's very I could not. to even think about it. He's not lying to John, but he's like not bringing it up. And I think right. that's yeah. huge. Here's how Sam, and this is just what I was thinking, is like, here's how Sam gets out of this, is if Bran finds the three-eyed crow and learns how to reach out to his kin learns how to reach out to different people and approaches john in a dream and john's like gets the dream of bran john knowing whether or not bran is alive doesn't hold a candle to the security and what cold hands is saying like the security of them we, we want no seekers yeah heading north and finding the three-eyed raven and carrying out whatever his destiny is and clearly it is something because sam just swore an oath to cold hands who rides an elk he does ride. He does ride an elk. It's it's too much, and it's awesome, and it's happening while Mel Saunders there with this gem on her neck that pulses oh, with the beat of a heart. Man. Doesn't she just seem so much more real now? And obviously, this is. I think everyone's thinking this. That's reading along with us. If you've read it before, or even if you haven't read it before, Melisandre is so much more real in the books compared to the show. But she's so much more real right now than she's ever been. I think. Well, that's true. Yeah, she has a real. Even the way that John assesses, like, who or what she is, he calls her the real queen. <laughs> it's just like, oh, shit, you know, you, you get a lot of... And her men being there, her men just being a presence on the wall, along with Stannis's men, like, really make that, I think, a lot more real. I was thrilled that they kept, you know, when he asked her if she's cold or not, <laughs> because she's wearing some garments that flap. Um, it's just all all about that. But, like, Cold Hands is not a companion that, they have in the show too and i'm wondering again going back to who or what that is who or what cold hands is like whether he knows how to find the three-eyed raven if he's been there if he you know i think we speculated on an earlier episode that cold hands was sent by the same force that controls like the birds and them so i don't know i mean having that guide is it as dangerous as it was before or, or are they safer because they have him but either way he's he's sworn sam to secrecy and i guess Maybe that's just like a judgment that he's making on Sam. Like, oh, you look like a gossip person. <laughs> like, you know. Sam looks like a gossip uh, queen. Is that what you're saying? Gossip queen. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I think it comes down to, uh, and and look, whether or not this person is to be trusted, we'll find out as we continue to read the story. Uh, but from everything we've learned so far, uh, Bran should be trusting because the Cold Hands has guided Sam uh, back to safety, and uh, I I think back to Carl Tanner, right? Uh, then mm. think about what happens if that type of information is relayed to the wrong people, right? And part of me wonders: is it some sort of magical pact that has now been created? Sam swore that he would not tell John about Bran. But could he if he wanted to? Did they join him? The unbreakable vow. <laughs> Did all three of us just yeah. make that reference at yeah. one Whoops. time? It's okay. I'm not sure. Um, that's a that's a that's a neat question. I just know that he he takes a situation so seriously. Like he he understands the the stakes. He believes that Bran is doing something worthwhile. He believes enough not to tell his brother that he's alive. Not that he's asked directly, but this is something you would you would think he 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 would tell John with with ecstasy in a way that 
maybe the powers are working in the favor of good and that people are trying, but this is something that he like almost nobly has to keep to himself because I mean, who can you trust more than Jon Snow? Like, like John's going to tell anyone, even under torture, where the, where's the gold hidden? Where is Lord Beric? You know, like it's, it's just, I don't think it's going to shake out, but he just doesn't even tell John. So it does make you question what, what kind of pact he has. With, Sam is a horrible person. Hands. That's, that's what I take away from it. Because <laughs> he's pretty much the worst. I know you don't really believe that. Yeah, no, the, I, only, I, the only character <laughs> who I don't hate right now is the child, is the baby. Well, given He's time. so pure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, what I was going to say is that uh, given everything that John has been through and uh, with his family basically having been decimated uh, and not to mention everything that he's gone through during his time at the Night's Watch, you'd think Sam might have a little level of sympathy for him, and, and, and that's why I part of me wonders if there is something that is really preventing Sam from telling the truth. If he truly wanted to, would he be able to? I, I just, given how close these two are, it, it seems, uh, uh, you know, terrible that, that, that he can't tell him something like this to give John some level of hope. When, when he is being approached to be, um, what's the word, uh, legitimized by Stannis, he can't say no because oh i i know now that i have a brother right like who's still alive and is is the lord of winterfell he has to say no even when he would be the only opportunity for that like when he thinks he's the only one who could ever be the lord of winterfell because that makes his decision that much more selfless and important if john had made that decision because he had was acting on intelligence that bran was still around it would not be the same type of decision for John. John is, and I think believe the the words used are, he would be an oathbreaker again if he decided to become legitimized by Stannis. Stannis is just like, hey, I could do this for you. And he's like, ah, I think I'm done with oathbreaking. Like that is a big, it's a huge character moment for John. Um, so I think it's important that he doesn't know Bran's still alive. It's important that he doesn't have ghosts to have like dreams with wandering around in the forest right now this is just john he's retreated into himself it's a little sad to see how sullen he is and like how he is actually physically punishing himself for whatever cruel things people are saying about him by going to the trading yard all this time but it's ultimately like john is in that in this moment where he's becoming a, a bigger person or a better man as a result of all of this stress that has been thrust upon him one of the things that I took out of this entire chapter, though, is the building up of, of Sam. And the fact that he doesn't really always process everything that he's been able to do. Mm. And I think that the very end of the chapter is is really a great um, example of that when he's having the conversation with Pip and Gren, and they're just kind of going through everything he's been able to accomplish over the course of the Slayers returned. <laughs> yeah, he, you're you're a Lord's son. You're the Maester Steward. You're Sam the Slayer. And throughout yeah. this whole chapter, he's like he's he's orchestrating so many things. Right? He's making yeah. sure that uh, Mance's son is taken care of, uh, and he's making sure that uh, he can possibly try and rig the election the way that he wants it to go and i think that there's a lot more to sam than he gives himself credit for that's probably yeah, absolutely. true this harkens back to 
what we were discussing last week, where the story is told to us from the perspective of these influential people. Example, a story was being told about a Stark girl when the Stark girl was sort of in disguise in the same inn a story about her was being told. That's cool. Samwell is learning all these achievements, and we're, we're learning it from his friends, which we trust because we like them. So as a story is being told to us, we like it more, right? Like we, it's it's sort of how Melisandre is now so much more of a of a of a looming specter, because before we saw it through Davos, who was always sort of questioning her, and maybe around Dragonstone, it always felt a little bit fake—the burning of leeches and the burning of actual people. But now that she's here and we're seeing her through John's perspective, we're like, oh shit, she's you know we trust it so much more because it's through John's perspective. All of these achievements that we're hearing about Samwell. It's like it's being laid on us, and especially getting a mention of Horn Hill and and Randall Tarley um, in reference to the baby. It's just amplifying Samwell as a person and just reiterating why he's a point of view chapter. He's the guy reading the votes. He's the guy that, in the background, is politically moving things around. He is the Maester Seward. Like he he really among these hundreds of guys that are casting votes and are there at Castle Black. He's one of the important guys. You know, like he's actually making a difference and. It's cool because he's never really taken himself that seriously. And just around the beginning of this book, he was basically he was going to be lay lay for dead at the side of you know at the uh, in snow and die. Fist but, of the first men. Yeah, he was just yeah. Man. Now this is happening. Lay down. It's just it's so cool. Yeah, he he's becoming a man. <laughs> and to us, and I'm a respect, real boy. So much more respect from us too. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Like feeling that way about him. Yeah. Maybe the people who read him at first was like, why does Sam get point of view chapters? We really like him, but I'm going to go from the lion of Tyrion Lannister to Samwell Tarly as right. he shits his pants. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that he deserves all the respect that we give him, it's great. All of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, even, and I can only imagine what, what more is to come. You know who else I love? Mm. Who? Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> oh, for <man>. now? <laughs> yeah. How's that for a transition? Old iron. He'll break before he bends. He just uh, really transcended both of these chapters. And, and I, I like the uh, the almost legend that preceded him uh, <laughs> as as Gren was talking uh, in, in the Sam chapter. Uh, you know, things that we experience, but the fact that this is now spread throughout the, the Seven Kingdoms and made its way all the way to the Wall uh, when talking about Stannis and and Melisandre, they sort of go hand in hand with each other. And you know, Solis is is his true queen, but not his real queen. Uh, <laughs> and uh, like, just the fact they say she burned a man alive at Dragonstone, so Stannis would have favorable winds <laughs> for his voyage north. She that is bes- hardcore. <laughs> but it's like, but he's here, so that probably worked. Yeah, she's like bringing real results. <laughs> For you once, know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> she, she's the one who's. Got, I mean, she has some real power. That's pretty clear. I feel like in, is in this clear. chapter, and so yeah. she is who she is. But she's getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. And they talk yeah. about Lightbringer as well, uh, glowing. Yeah, remember when he was going to knight Davos or, or or kill Davos, and he's got Lightbringer just glowing. Yes, it's so cool because, like I said, we're looking through the perspective of Davos. So Stannis just kind of seems like this. And again, he is human. We're all like these beings. But like he's just this guy that's in this room that was born to this power and is doing this thing on some idea. And there's people helping him, and that's great. But 
look at what he's done now and how much more elevated in our minds he is. We haven't even gotten to the conversation toward the end of this John chapter, which through the eyes of John makes us fall in love with Stannis in such a strong way. But just knowing what he's done so far mm-hmm. and what she's done to help him. Holy shit, right, guys? It's yeah. just cool. It's a, uh, it's like there's so much nuance that we've been learning about the world through the books. And then now that like stuff is happening, it's just it has such a large impact on the reader. It's, of course. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's what I'm saying. Like Gren is sitting there in Castle Black talking about Melisandre and Stannis about things that we saw at the beginning of, what was it, A Clash of Kings, right? Uh, out on the beach in Dragonstone. And yet yeah. here they are now. They're all they're all together in one place, but the sort of the, the stories have found their way all the way up to the wall, to me, is like, it, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to talk about earlier, was this shift. So much happened in these two chapters, especially this John chapter. This just, you look at everything so much more different now, that you learn Stannis has plans for the North, not only settling with wildlings, but but of he's he's taken stock of of what other people with power are doing and and how he plans to uproot them and how he has finally seen the light through Davos who he loves so much where he just doesn't need to take the throne to save the kingdom he needs to save the kingdom to, to take, take the, the throne, throne. How awesome is yes that? <laughs> i think can we just all agree that that's all four of our owns i know we're not yeah. it, but that's, <laughs> yeah. that was a pretty good line just get it's out just of the hard way. To, i mean we can't have a conversation about this sequentially you know yeah. it's just well because even so much even sam was saying in the last chapter how stannis you know what good is a king if he can't defend the realms of men it's the same yeah. the same thread throughout both of these chapters that stannis i mean i i forgot any reason why i shouldn't like him when i was reading this chapter and i'm kind of in love with him for right now well and, and again like <laughs> Melisandre, this this woman who's with him, brings results, as Micah said. I mean, John asks her, "You are not cold, my lady." She laughs. Never, <laughs> like she's she's never cold. What a life never? would that be? She's got yeah. a space heater. She goes, "This is how life, life should be. <laughs> Only death is cold. Portable you know, space like, heater. <laughs> if you embrace the Lord of Light, John Snow, you will never be cold north of the Wall." I mean, that's Isn't pretty it- like. I mean, yeah. for that alone, I'd be like, this religion, maybe. this religion That's why I moved really, to Southern like, California. <laughs> you imagine this religion would have a like a, a place here? Like a lot of the dudes would be like, sign me up. Hell, hell yeah, Lord of Light. I wonder if if part of her ability to uh, enchant people is just making them recall things that uh, are important to them. Because you know, he he says at one point that. She even smells red. The scent reminded him of Mikan's Forge, of the way iron smelled when red hot. The scent was smoke and blood, kissed mm, by fire, kissed he by thought, fire. remembering Ygritte. Perhaps part of the heat that she's able to emit has that sort of compelling effect on those that are around her, or at least those that she wants to attempt to those red engage eyes. with and have conversation with or do other things with. You mean beyond the fact that she, she can just radiate heat at all? Because <laughs> that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's standing with her dress blowing, riding up an 800-foot wall of ice. Yeah. Her power sort of speaks for itself, like I said, through the eyes of Jon Snow. And can we just talk about that entrance? Jon is master at armsing. He's training Satin or Satan or Satine. I think it's Satine. Else. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Satine. Yeah, whatever like you to prefer. Say <laughs> Whichever you prefer. It's Satin. Uh, 
<laughs> how to use hell yeah how to use a sword and uh how to put your weight behind it very you know very rooted you know worldly advice and the boy says john and that sort of seemed out of place right i i actually went back and read that sentence a few times i was like wait the the, the guy he was training with took a step backwards raised his visor and said john it wasn't someone that knew him that maybe walked up okay and he turns and he sees standing behind him with half a dozen queen's men around her small wonder the yard grew so quiet he says he glimpsed melisandre and her night fires and basically he's seen her around but she's standing there in the middle of the yard that we've seen portrayed in the show but it's sort of that inner court of uh castle black and she's just standing there billowing standing out against the gray with these sort of royal guards with her what an entrance yeah she knows how to make an entrance we'll give her that <laughs> it works the king would speak with you john snow yeah my lady it's funny because he has to ask her if he can change or not and she's like all right. <laughs> we like, shall wait you atop the we wall. We shall await you. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was, that was awesome. That she just dropped it like this. She's like, "I'll see you on top of the wall." <laughs> it's like he has this uh, reverence, and again, I you wonder what sort of the very first conversation was between Stannis and John when he arrived, and when he like when they first peeled open that tent, and it's alluded to in this, or they it's kind of referenced, you know, when they found John in the tent after Stannis arrived. But you just wonder what that, that first thing is because John has the respect for Stannis. He knows that he's going to see a king and then he needs to dress for it. I wonder what he wore. What did he wear? Black clothes. Yeah, black yeah. clothes. Fresh black clothes. Black. Pretty much the same as what Stannis is wearing too, black except black. for that black clothes. Stannis's outfit was on point. Can we just talk about that for a yeah, minute? Yeah, it's really, it's really good. Understated garb. He's the king standing on top of the wall. I love this paragraph. They found Stannis Baratheon. I just know that George wrote this and was like, <laughs> they found Stannis Baratheon standing alone at the edge of the wall, brooding over the field where he had won his battle and the great green forest beyond. He was dressed in the same black breeches, tunics, and boots that a brother of the Night's Watch might wear. Only his cloak set him apart, a heavy gold cloak trimmed in black fur. Nice. And pinned with a brooch in the shape of a flaming heart. I would have traded it for a leave of Lorien, but... This works. Yeah. There's this great, the, in the next paragraph, this great moment when talking about Stannis's pure iron and how he'll break before he bends. I thought that was interesting for, uh, we, we kind of get this tidbit thrown out at us after Stannis has saved the day and done all this great stuff and he's about to talk to John the way that he does. And we get this reminder of Stannis's iron, but he also could, he's brittle. He could break. I think that was that's interesting for maybe future reference. I don't know. I hope that he doesn't break. But it's like he was a broken man at Blackwater. All of this is because he was successful. Like he kicked such ass um, against Mance, and he he knows that he's going to burn Mance for it. Stannis is is absolutely at the top of his game at this moment. Like he he is. This is a victorious Stannis, and. For what it's worth, he doesn't really gloat. Like, he's he's absolutely taking care of the business that needs to be taken care of. I don't see Stannis as a guy who's in it for power and glory, though. I mean, power maybe, yeah. but I don't think he's Well, I mean, that's exactly glory. what I'm saying, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what makes him a yeah. an admirable character, almost. You he know, sees it as a mission. Yeah. Like, he sees it as his purpose. It, 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 I don't think he gains as much from 
as you said, Hannah, power, glory, uh, at least, uh, you know, internally, like he, he sees this as something that is a part of who he is and what he must do. Like he was the next in line to succeed Robert, given that Robert's children are all not Robert's children, mm -hmm. at least not the ones that are um, in um, the throne room in King's Landing. So, uh, but how about John though? Like the last time we left John, he was walking to certain death in yeah. either trying to kill Mance Raider and dying in the attempt or not following through with what he was tasked to do and being branded even further a turn cloak and killed by Thorn and Slint. Yet, fast forward one chapter, and here he is standing on the top of the wall with Melisandre and King Stannis. Yeah. And everything <laughs> is going right for him. He's about to be given the opportunity to have his bastard title removed, to be given Winterfell and the North. Like, talk about a complete 180 <laughs> yep. in yeah. a matter of pages. And that's what George does so well in his writing is you could go from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top so quickly. And it's just written so well. In a believable yeah. way. Yeah, definitely. Not in this, like, roller coaster way, but in this real, I don't know what I'm saying, but it's good. I love it. The, 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 I don't know, just the conversation that shared and like all the feelings and the references toward people past, people present, people that we care about, people that we don't so much care about. Ladies and gentlemen, read the books. Read the books. I, can't say that <laughs> yeah. I mean, he calls you know? him John Stark. Yeah, yeah. To be able to read it's that. Just, I know. I know. And it's it's a bit ridiculous. It's just I'm I'm when when they, when they first meet and he calls him lord snow um we're kind of you know like in that moment i just automatically knew that stannis wouldn't be using that to be sarcastic i just thought all right well this is going to be a pretty good conversation mm -hmm. and i can imagine entering it and not knowing what's coming and how stannis is going to handle it but right there at that opening um I guess you you sort of know that's going to go in the right direction, and this is where it hurts so much because of how John is sort of unsure. It's like, damn it, your vows, man—they're always getting in the way of stuff. Yeah, and and, and uh, that started the 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 list of responses that John gave that almost reminded me of Sam. Right, like he he just wouldn't take credit for anything. anything. Yeah. yeah, I had help. I thought the Sam's, same thing. Sam's rubbed off. We're, he's like somebody is finally giving John all this credit for all the stuff that he's doing after everyone's kind of been ragging on him, and John's like, "No, no, I didn't do it's it." It's like I, you captured the Horn of me. Winter. Yeah, he's like, know? kind of, but a lot of people helped me. That's it was there for the taking. To make strong, great. I love, I love that there's no question though that it's the horn of winter, like that it's the real horn of this winter. Magic horn. <laughs> yeah, they, they, and they call it a magic horn. It's just like, okay, did did Meister Eamon like feel around till he was like, yep, this is magic horn. Like, what kind of verification <laughs> process? Exists? Well, if he did, I would trust him. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't. It's like they don't say anything about that. It's just like, yeah, there's this magic horn. But Stannis, who got there off of like the blood of leeches, like the king's blood, uh, th you know, being thrown into the fire. Um, it's just like okay, it's a magic horn, and you just saved it for everybody. So thanks for that. It just makes sense for it to be mentioned here, though, because they're standing on top of the wall, yeah, face facing the north, yeah. and eventually they start to talk about the threat that is to come. But King Stannis, with his legendary 
sort of queen person standing there billowing without protection from the cold and Ned Stark's bastard son. What a crew standing on top of the wall. We got to see it. Now we get to feel it. And it's it's great because Stannis is listing off all of these things. He's talking about the dragon glass. This guy's done his homework. He's talking about what John did at the Battle of Castle Black. He's talking about all that's been happening beyond the wall and how he knows that this is the this is the real situation we need to deal with. He knows that he says that this is the fight. That this is his fight that he was meant for. Yeah. That this is his true fight. And that's that just goes beyond because we've been waiting for actual realization of the overall danger in this story. And here it is here it is happening right now on top of the wall with his words to John. And it's so cool because we can kind of feel what's coming. This naturalizing John making him the 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 head of Winterfell in the north is just a, an insane idea. It's such a such a it's such a cool idea and John's being modest and we think that maybe that's just the path to the right direction. Um you know like wherever their conversation is going to head. And uh, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I, it's just such a great exchange between these two, despite John's somewhat submissive nature and, and just inability to really take credit for anything that he's done. But the recollection on John's part of how his dear friend Donald Noy described both Robert and Stannis. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet he knows what it is that he's coming up against, right? Stannis is pure iron, black and hard and strong, but brittle the way iron gets. He'll break before he bends. And mm -hmm. the fact that you now have these two characters literally feet apart from each other, as Zach mentioned, talking about the events that are to come or how to influence the events that are to come by you know everything from rallying the wildlings to his cause to marrying John off to Val to getting the north i i mean th these are things that will have massive implications in the future should John no actually regardless of what decision John makes right yeah yeah it, it's all uh, to be determined based upon whatever John decides and we also know that at the same time, Sam is trying to influence the situation by making him Lord Commander. Well, is is Stannis right here in proposing this marriage? I know he says that it's, you know, basically John's legitimization is, is dependent on his also agreeing to marry Val, this princess of sorts. Um, but is that is that right to you guys? Does that sound right? Because marriage is absolutely the number one way of, you know, binding families and assuring loyalty south of the wall. But you just don't really expect it to mean all that much to the wildlings. I think or, that's what John tries to explain to yeah. him. Though. Yeah. He's like, you should ride with these women. Like you should you should actually like you may learn a thing or two. Yeah. It's definitely an old school idea. Yeah. It's definitely the weakest thing that Stannis pitches among all this really cool stuff. It's That's just, true. It's, it's like things. the anchor to reality that he kind of sees it as a necessity. But you can see the path that he's trying to carve, which is if John were to be the head of this situation in the north as he moves south and, and tries to take care of the entire realm, that you know there would be a foothold. There would be some 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 actual defense happening and you know putting them together in that way. It's just I think he's overestimating this woman's importance to all the wildlings. Yeah. But I mean, still, John would be the one who'd be in charge of, you know, resettling the gift um, and dealing with these wildlings, which I think, I mean, 
probably John is the best person for that type of job anyway. Um, because he's the person with the most insight into them. I just think this whole offer, I mean, initially is pretty attractive, but think about all the stuff that he has to sacrifice. You know, he has to live out his guilty childhood dream of becoming Lord of Winterfell. So oh, he feels gosh. really bad about that. Such a sacrifice. <laughs> I know, but he has to go back on his vows. You know, he's already having issues with that. You Not have to again. forsake your entire religious and cultural upbringing. Like, what was it he wanted to burn? He was to burn the trees. I know, but burn that's, the like, that's a big thing to go back on. You know, it's a pretty big thing. And to go he has back to on. team up with this guy who Rob was fighting against. Which I mean, that's kind of minor at this point. But I just feel like I feel like he's in an interesting situation because I mean, I don't know how much of a choice we think he has at this point. You know, not pretending like we don't yeah. know what happens next. Like, how much of how much of a choice does? John really have is Stannis going to make him take it but I feel like I mean he kind of has to give up some pretty great stuff to get this dream of a great thing yeah so you want to think that John is the sort of person to zoom out not that his vows and everything else aren't important but Melisandre herself says in this chapter after Stannis says, this is where I'll find the foe that I was born to fight, she says. And then remember, they're looking off the top of the wall. This is this is legendary. She says, his name may not be spoken. He is the god of night and terror, Jon Snow. And these shapes in the snow are his creatures. You think about what is to come. And you think about how now that we're at the end of A Storm of Swords, pretending we don't know what's happening. And you're a person that's read this book for the first time. And you're coming to a head. It's like, Wow. I knew this book was going to end with cool stuff, but holy shit. I can only imagine this fourth book. That's what you're thinking. This next book that I'm going to have to wait years for is going to be crazy. Bran's going to be with the Three-Eyed Raven. Cold Hands is going to be riding an even bigger elk. Who knows what's going to be happening (laughs) with stuff with the Like, who knows? (laughs) Melisandre had just burned an eagle out of the sky and basically winks to John about it and was like, yeah, "Yeah, well, he has sharp talents. (laughs) It's just like, I'll take credit for that. You're damn right. Yeah, it's just that you, you, there's a lot happening, and it feels great. It's it's such it's so expertly done, and I can only imagine being at the table of the folks adapting this story for TV and going, "We're gonna have the best TV show of all time." <laughs> just it's just gonna happen. We have all these perspectives, all these cool heroic characters, but yet they're rooted in realism. It's gonna be so great to translate to screen. Uh, where's our Emmy? Oh, well, here, here's a truckload of them. And you're feeling all of these things. And basically my, my point is, with all this being said, you got to think that John is going to take all of this into account and go, okay, well, I'm going to forsake some stuff and sacrifice a lot of my personal comfort and try to rescue the realm. And maybe... I don't know. I know. See, and I don't know either. I don't really... I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I feel like that's the right decision, though. I feel like he's much more used to everyone but i know how important like of a bottleneck that the wall is and i just can't help but think why can't he do that and head up the gift or i don't know i don't know there's just the north is a big place and it's important all right john stark (laughs) why why can't you be like lord of winterfell and lord commander of the night's watch yeah (laughs) i'm sure they did that in the past at some point so uh, but but you know what despite john's inability to take credit uh for a lot of things i think stannis does a great job in the way that he responds to try and build John back up. So, you know, when, when John says that, you know, he never turned his cloak, 
Stannis is like, yeah, I believe you. You know, you're Ned Stark's son. Like, Janice Slint yeah. is a douchebag that I know from King's Landing. <laughs> and yet, then later on, he's like, I know it was you who found the dragonglass dagger that Randall Tarly's son used to slay the others. Like, yeah. okay, now we're bringing in Randall Tarly. Yeah, get out of here, He's connecting Stannis. all this shit together. Like, he's like, yeah, but I heard you held the gate. No, it was actually Donald Noy who held the gate. He's like, I know, Donald. We go way back. You know, like he made yeah. me my first sword and Robert's yeah. Warhammer. Like oh, I'm the fucking man. king. <laughs> and then they get into like every little bit. Like it's just like he smiles when uh, John references uh, Tormund and and sort of the relationship that the two of them have. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just Stannis. He's doing everything that he can here. Mm-hmm. We know the kind of person that he is. We know his personality isn't the best in the world, but the fact that he actually, you know smiled a little bit right when when john said tormund giantsbane seemed to me the sort of man who can make a good friend in a very bad enemy your grace yeah 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 i don't know like i give stannis some credit yeah my notes for this chapter are put in all bold and in all caps i don't hate stannis with like 12 question marks (laughs) after it (laughs) because you read that and it's like i mean he's just trying to do what he thinks is best and he's doing a pretty good job of it at this point well, his family is far away from for all that we know, right? Solis yeah. has been left back at Eastwatch. Eastwatch. Shireen, I'm not so sure about. I don't know if she's back at Eastwatch or she's back at Dragonstone, but uh, hopefully we don't have any future repeats of what took place in the show. Mm. I'm so hopeful. I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad that we got to hear like news of of who else is vying for power direct from Stannis' mouth, and I'm glad that we got to hear... Stannis say that he loved Robert as well. They're both talking about loving their brothers. Yeah. And Stannis is making a reference to like how they're so much the same. Like, well, uh, our brothers were what we were, what they were, and we are what we are. He says, I'm the only true king of Westeros, north or south, and you're Ned Stark's bastard. Tywin Lannister is named Roose Bolton, his ward in the north, to reward him for betraying your brother. The Iron Men are fighting against themselves since Balon Greyjoy's death, yet they still hold Moat Kaelin, Deepwood Mott, Torrent Square, and most of the Stony Shore. Your father's lands are bleeding, and I have neither the strength nor the time to staunch the wounds. What is needed is a lord of Winterfell, a loyal lord of Winterfell. And Stannis is just like, you can't help but to think, this is, why didn't we think of this a few chapters ago? You were so right. Like, John is the guy to work with you on this. If you're the guy to work with John on this. I love him. <laughs> Which one? Both? You don't hate him? Stannis. Question mark, question mark, question I'm mark. I'm tweeting in all caps. I love Stannis. Yeah. He is ruthless, you know? I think. It's said best around the beginning of the chapter when, you know, we sacrificed a person to, to sail, you know? He's doing some unpopular things, but I don't know. It seems like he's trying. Damn it. You know who he reminds... Are you guys familiar with Les Mis at all? Yeah. He reminds me of Javert a little bit. If anybody is out there and knows what I'm saying, <laughs> please nod your head. He reminds I'm me sure of Javert. I'm sure people will. Give her a curt nod. Yeah, someone please help me. <laughs> well, I'm going to be best friends with... Everyone on top of this wall right now. And I haven't felt this way about Melisandre ever. Ever. I just never have been a fan of anything about her whatsoever. I think that I I felt like the way that she influenced Stannis was incredibly negative. He almost broke and became terrible. And we learned through that through the eyes of Davos. And now everything seems to be changing. And even though he is gaunt, and we're reminded of that throughout this chapter... And it's important to note that it's just, I think things are on the upswing. 
I think it's important for us to also note that he hasn't really done anything substantial military-wise yet. He did get men, and he did ride, and he did defeat a 1,000 people and capture a 1,000 people. But these are people that were basically sitting idly, unaware. They weren't prepared. Right. And they were still the unorganized wildlings that you know, a few Night's Watch people on top of the wall were able to hold off. So there hasn't been a real test for Stannis yet. I think what we're all most impressed with is what he believes and what mm-hmm. he's willing to do for what he believes. Right. Yeah. There's a great uh, paragraph towards the end of the chapter that really kind of summarizes what Stannis's plan is going to be for the wildlings. Whilst your brothers have been struggling to decide who shall lead them, I've been speaking with this Mance Raider. He ground his teeth. A stubborn man, that one, and prideful. He will leave me no choice but to give him to the flames. But we took other captives as well, other leaders, the one who calls himself the Lord of Bones, some of their clan chiefs, the new Magnar of Then. Your brothers will not like it, no more than your father's lords, but I mean to allow the wildlings through the wall. So here is a huge difference, right? Because in the show, we're led to believe that it's John's idea. Really here, it starts with Stannis. Uh, Those who will swear me their fealty, pledge to keep the king's peace and the king's law, and take the Lord of Light as their god. Even the giants, if those great knees of theirs can bend... I will settle them on the gift once I have rested away from your new lord commander. When the cold winds rise, we shall live or die together. It is time we made alliance against our common foe. He looked at John. Would you agree? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, this this reverence he has for John. He recognizes and says to him that Stannis very he Stannis could have arrived too late if it weren't for John holding off the gate, you know, holding basically leading the battle that kept the the wildlings at bay. Like Stannis could actually have a significantly larger mess to clean up uh right now if the men had failed. And I really do think he genuinely appreciates. He recognizes that that was John and that that's sort of where all the leeway comes from. Yeah. And and one question I did have uh, about that particular strategy, though, is earlier on in the chapter, he asks John specifically about Mance Raider mm-hmm. and about the Lord of Bones. And the answer that he gives about Mance is much more favorable than he does about the Lord of Bones. So it's interesting to me that he would choose in this situation, it seems, to give Mance up knowing that Mance is really their leader versus somebody like the Lord of Bones who gets a less than positive review from John. Hmm. And he's like the, the, the second real notable, aside from the new Magna of Then, The Lord of Bones is, is really, we know him, right? He's a character that well, we've come yeah, to I mean, know. It's, but it's not unlike Tormund. I know Tormund got away, but Mance in the previous chapter said that Tormund was one of the the people who would have claimed to be king north of the wall if it weren't for Mance. Like, that that was something that Mance himself had to deal with, that Tormund was one of those guys who was strong enough, capable enough to perhaps, you know, basically make a running for it. And the fact that Tormund is at large really excites me. Just the fact that John has this choice ahead of him, which is at the very end of the chapter he asks for more time. Um, You know, the fact that Stannis gives him this time reflects positively on Stannis and also on John's basically John's clout here, which I don't think he would really acknowledge that he has anymore at this point. But it's not a lot of time. He says 
consider quickly. Yeah. I'm not a patient <laughs> right. Just an epic way to end this chapter. Uh, like I said earlier, I feel like John has been able to do uh, a complete 180 from where he was just two chapters earlier. And you know, Stannis really sums it up well. Uh, but when you return, you need only bend your knee and lay your sword at my feet and pledge yourself to my service, and you shall rise again as John Stark, Lord yeah. of Winterfell. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad that you read that. <laughs> I love this book so much. I don't care who knows it. So that means it is time for Owns. 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 Oh, man. I love this book so much. It's good. I had so much fun reading these chapters. No. And so much fun talking about them. I don't know what I'm going to give my own to, so I will defer that. I just wanted to honorable mention that. To the series mm -hmm. as a whole in general. That sort <laughs> yes. of rhymes with yes. Watt. Watt, uh, of course, who... Uh, <laughs> oh, sweet God. Sweet God. No, I'm going to give my own to Dollars Ed, and Dollars Ed <laughs> basically earns these owns. He, he has some people voting for him, even though he hasn't asked. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of own-worthy in and of itself, right? John doesn't get one vote, but Dollars Ed gets two. And uh, Dollar Zed has this line, <laughs> I never win anything. <laughs> this is Pip who says, you were leading most of the way, but Wad of Long Lake got three in the last day I passed you. And he says, the gods always smiled on Wat. When the wildlings knocked him off the Bridge of Skulls, somehow he landed in a nice deep pool of water. <laughs> How lucky was that, missing all those rocks? Gren says, was it a long fall? Did landing in the pool of water save his life? Dollar Zed says, no, he was dead already from that axe in his head. Still, it, it was pretty lucky missing the rocks. <laughs> so, well done. Funny, funny, ir irrelevant bullshit like that. Uh, Dollar Zed gets it. I love That's Dollar good. Zed. We got a tweet from Jen Calhoun who tweeted a picture of Dollar Zed on the throne and said, what if the books ended with him on the Iron Throne? <laughs> <laughs> The books would not be worse for the wear. It would be a different cool. Westeros. We'll just say that. A little bit different. Wouldn't be Westeros. the worst. Yeah. No. I'll uh, go ahead and give my own to Sam. Because, let's face it, Eric, despite what you may feel about point of view characters, he hasn't been around for a while. So, just this line, which I found to be kind of funny and typical, Sam, he said, It's strange. Craster had no love for Mance, nor Mance for Craster, but now Craster's daughter is feeding Mance's son. I should have known you'd take that out. <laughs> always always getting the thinkers in, in the chapters, Micah. Always. Micah's good. Uh, Micah's well, I would also him. say that, uh, you know, the way this chapter opened in particular, the first line I thought was could have been an own that anybody could have picked because it's just vastly inappropriate which is like right it's like an indicator of who will this child become you know in comparison to who her own child will become the important analysis yeah but just all. the fact that a sam chapter opens with the line yeah sucks harder than mine yeah, yeah. what where where are we what the hell is going what? on what yeah we're, we're at the teat <laughs> all right <laughs> hannah you're I'm gonna up. go with my own we're gonna move on all right <laughs> I'm going to give my own to John. And when he and Sam are talking after their little conversation, when Sam wants to tell him all about Bran, John says, Sammy, sweet fool, open your eyes. It's been happening for days um, about the election. John pushed his hair back out of his eyes and said, I may know nothing, but I know that. Now, pray, excuse me. I need to go hit someone very hard with a sword. Dashing. Same. 
<laughs> so is it the may know nothing part of that that you like the most? No, it's the hitting somebody very hard with a sword. Oh, okay. All right. That's the part that I'm into. Okay. Sometimes you gotta... Oof. This is tough. I was gonna give my own to the dollar said quote that you read, Eric, but... Ah. Who wants to hear that twice? <laughs> who wants to hear that twice? Who indeed? Mm. I'm going to give my own to Cold. To I'll go for okay, it. I'll borrow that, but I also want to say Cold Hands for being uh, what he is and for making Sam swear to an oath. He's just, I love him. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know him that well, but it's okay. What was your charity own? What was that? My, my charity one is about people keep voting for three-fingered hobs. Yeah. And Sam says, brothers who want him out of the kitchen. Or no, who is this who said this? Because they just don't want to deal with him well, anymore. Brothers who want him out of the kitchens. <laughs> it's the eight other brothers who have to cook with this guy. And they know his hygiene standards just aren't up to scruff. Or people are sick of eating his food. And so they're like, "Oh, get him out. I don't know, either one. I think it- yeah. That's funny. That's charity own. For the John chapter, I'm going to give my own to John. John. Man. <laughs> yeah. For... Uh, when Stannis says, your father was a man of honor, he was no friend to me, but I saw his worth. Your brother was a rebel and a traitor who meant to steal half my kingdom, but no man can question his courage. What of you? Does he want me to say I love him? <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Micah, you almost stole my own, but you didn't quite. Ooh, Hannah, it came why? really what's, close. What's yours? Eric, are you going to steal mine? No, no, no. Well, you should go. You better though. go, okay, Hannah. W- yeah, you better go. I want to give my own to Stannis for that same moment when he says your father was a man of honor. He was no friend to me, but I saw his worth for another reason why I love Stannis. Yeah. Let's hear it. That's it. Oh. Yeah. That's a good reason. He, he says that He says that some other place, too. He's like, I won't deny he was a man of honor. Like, only fools would deny that Ned Stark was a man of he's honor. He's a good judge of character, and he still sees his worth without having to say that he's his enemy like he doesn't hate him i'm gonna go way out of left field here and just give the own to benjen stark for raiding a mention but also um still being out there somewhere like again all of this that's happening north of the wall we're meant to we have to assume that benjen is surviving somehow and um still out there so owned owned to benjen i think benjen would appreciate that i think he would too i think he would appreciate that on I will give my own to two two folks, two two people in this chapter. I, I'd like to give it to John for being Jon Snow and uh going from one danger, like you said earlier, Micah, so eloquently, to this. Mm. It's just kind of amazing how it happened, but I think it's most important to give the own to Stannis Baratheon and Melisandra of a Shy when you think of how damn impressive they are to all of these people, you think of just, just how well put together this is. They're storming the North essentially and occupying Castle Black and the way she goes from place to place and the presence that she brings with her. And the fact that Stannis is bringing this kind of person with him, you know, this guy feels like a King to these people standing atop the wall alongside Melisandre and speaking to John about all these things I can't help but to say, Stannis feels like a king to me. In addition to our owns, we also got a number of owns from you, the listeners, uh, over on Twitter. Uh, We heard from Joseph Wayne, who sent in that uh, great uh, tweet earlier about the series being split up into three 
different parts. He says, for Sam, his own goes to Gren and Pip for still being alive in the book and own to John for being Ned's son, whether he is or not. <laughs> That's <laughs> you fair. You are my son. We heard from Jen Calhoun. Own to Ed for getting one vote for Lord Commander. Imagine him in charge. Just go ahead, White Walkers. We're all dying anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dies. All men must die. I have a feeling you would say all men must die. That's right. And uh, John Chapter Own to Davos for showing Stannis, quote, I should have been trying to save the kingdom to win the throne. Hashtag yeah. yes. <laughs> Pretty great. I love it. I like this one a lot. This next one. Two Parts Rye says, Arise, John Stark, Lord of Winterfell, owns my hopes for the future of the series, even if the circumstances have changed. Yeah. It's going to happen Too good. someday. It will. It will. <laughs> Get on the hype train. Hodgedog for Sam to Maester Aemon for instantly knowing exactly who did not vote out of all the members of the Night's Watch. <laughs> yep. That was awesome. It was. Jon Snow is Everyone's too like, busy what? hating what? himself to cast a vote. He's brooding. Yeah. And for Jon, simply to potentially be Lord Jon Stark of Winterfell. Yeah. There That's you have good it. enough, yeah. That's great, yeah. And uh, heard from our good friend Brienne of Tarth, who says, my Samone goes to Pippin Gren for planting the seed of careful persuasion in Sam's head. Hashtag Deception. Lord's son. Hashtag Maester Steward. She also included hashtag Sam the Slayer in her next tweet. And for John, her own goes to Ghost for piecing out for all this messiness at the wall. <laughs> but Ghost is with vengeance somehow. Mike has already exited out of the dock. He's fucking done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. But wait, there's a, an anonymous hippopotamus. Oh, no. Zach is rhinoceros. Thanks to everyone for writing in and sending us your owns. I think we can all feel it, right? Do you feel it? The, I like, feel build it. Build up toward Come the end. In the the energy, this sort of like a, this this buzz that's swelling in all of these chapters. And I, I can't help but to say, I mean, we're here and it's kind of exciting. So it's hard not to be a little bit biased. But in our conversations too, right? It's just so exciting to get towards the end of this book. I love it. It's a good book. A very good book. I mean, just thinking about. <laughs> where we came from i know as you said at the top of the show zach even from where we came back to after seeing season five depicted on screen so much has happened well there's a lot that's gonna happen so buckle Still, up before we're you mean we're oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah well I buckle mean... up no we got another i think another samuel chapter and a mm-hmm. Tyrion chapter mm-hmm. next week which is Tyrion. big big Tyrion chapter coming up i think huge Tyrion chapter i can't wait damn it can you wait? Let's just do it right listeners? now. Damn it. Yeah, let's it's, just do it. Yeah, Damn it. okay. But before we do that. You can tweet at us, at Game of Owns on Twitter. Um, also, on Facebook, you can scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash Game of Owns. Or you can email us, contact at gameofowns.com is our email address. You can, of course, send your longer format owns to us there. I haven't said that in a little while. That was a good job. Thanks. Another way that uh, you can get in contact with the show is on iTunes. Uh, we encourage you all to uh, head on over there and leave us a five-star rate and review. It is the month of November, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Uh, you can leave us a review much like me, not we did. He said, uh, great host, great podcast. Ooh. I'm a longtime listener to this group on a variety of podcasts, so much so that I can barely listen to any other casters. Uh, thanks for being so thorough and entertaining. 
Thank you for the Thank thorough you, review, Wei. Not Wei. We also heard from uh, Gina Klein, who says, Love this podcast. Eric, Zach, Micah, and Hannah are all highly enthusiastic and well-informed about the television show and the books. I'm enjoying reading along with them and love hearing all their varying perspectives and theories. It is clear that they dearly love this story and the work they do. The own segment cracks me up every time without fail. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, one here from Abe2111, who says, owning Great Game name. of Thrones podcast. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Oh. Well, his title was owning <laughs> Game of Thrones podcast. I like it. I like it, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is the month of September when he wrote Whoa. the review. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, so only a five-star rating will suffice. Luckily, these guys deserve it. No ads, content from the books and the show, excellent insight, and listener interaction. What more could you ask for? How much? I don't know. I I don't know. I feel like I don't know if if George R. R. Martin were the fifth member of our podcast, that could that would help the show, right? Winds of Winter would. <laughs> well, help. I, I, I heard once he finished writing Winds of Winter that he, he might. You know, he's had join the podcast busy. circuit. Yeah, Abe, we plan on keeping our podcast advertising free. Some of you might like the idea of, of Micah selling you a subscription to Stamps. dot com, but I'm just not sure he sends that much mail at home. Do you, Micah? No. See? <laughs> Mike is a kind of do-it-from-the-office type of guy. It's true. Are you saying he steals from his office? No, no. Steals <laughs> is such a strong word. Outtakes like this, etc., are all part of the content, you listeners, who do support the show. Wink, wink. The reason why our show is ad-free at patreon.com. Receive a sort of a bonus to your patronage. I do think that uh, Abe brings up a great point, though, with no advertisements. I mean, we really are. It is important to us to keep the show ad free. We don't want to bombard you with uh, Coldy's messaging. Uh, that's for you on Patreon yes. to go see Eric try and sell <laughs> yeah. this amazing yeah, product. You should buy Coldies. Everybody should buy Coldies <laughs> for all your cold needs. For all of your Coldies. It is look. Winter is coming, and you're going to need Coldies for all your cold needs. <laughs> yeah, damn it. That's an example of what the show could be. Everybody, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, but look, we we really do appreciate everybody who listens to the show week in and week out, and all of you that uh, support us through Patreon. Uh, you know, it is. Uh, it is truly, truly appreciated, and um, you know we mentioned iTunes uh, earlier, but it's it's we're not just saying go there and give us a rate and review. It is really, really important for us because uh, you know it lets other people know uh, about what we're doing and and that we exist. And uh, you know we we always hear these great stories about first time listeners and, and people who have found the show through iTunes reviews, and you know we're just looking to continue to grow. Uh, this community and 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 continue to interact with all of you that's what makes this so much fun to do on a weekly basis so Tyrion and sam are up next sam's coming back for a repeat performance ah is he really good i'm looking forward to to seeing sam again and i'm looking forward to getting back with with Tyrion lannister damn it Tyrion, missing you buddy it's been a while hope he's all right it's going to be a really really great Tyrion chapter yeah. trying to channel my inner Donald Trump here and, and just like overly <laughs> embellish how good this Tyrion chapter is going I don't to think be. you can overly embellish it <laughs> to be honest it is an epic chapter look forward to experiencing that with us I look forward to reading it and mostly talking about it with the three of you it's going to be fun <laughs> bye <laughs> I don't know <laughs> hi 
see you next week. I'm Ted Carcass, the CEO of Prophase Labs. You should. This is how you should end it. Like Eric, keep going. No, because then uh, it's gonna spoil. Oh yeah, yeah. And I've taken tough steps. Thank you.